I've recently switched to contacts, and I know that you're all there, but you still seem a bit blurry. And it's one time where I've got loads of notes as well, because I've got lots of big chunks of the Bibles. I can barely see any of it. But, um, but that's okay. Vision's highly overrated. So that's the point break quote, actually. In case you... Anyway, so you're doing this series, aren't you, guys and gals in the Bible. And this week we're on Abraham. So we're going to be looking at him. I don't know why I went up there, Abraham, but I did. I'm going to give you a little summary of Abraham's life then, uh, because as John said, we've looked at a particular passage here, and um, it's a fantastic passage. There's a lot to be gained from meditating on that. But just a quick little summary. Abraham was originally Abraham. I don't know if you've noticed that when you've been reading your Bibles. He goes through a name change. I see quite a few biblical characters. So Abraham, originally Abraham, was born in Mesopotamia. God promised Abraham that he would be the father of a great nation and that his wife Sarai would give birth to a son. She gets a name change later as well. God also commanded Abraham to leave his home and move to a place that God would show him. Abraham obeyed. Once in Canaan, God promised the land to Abraham's offspring. Later, a famine causes him to move to Egypt and he feared that the Egyptians would kill him to take his wife. Uh, and so he gets them to think that Sarai, Sarah, is his sister. When Abraham was 85 years old, spring chicken, and Sarai was 75, they still had no children. Uh, as Sarai offered, uh, so Sarai offered Abraham her slave girl, Hagar. Uh, not trusting God's promise, Abraham married Hagar, and she gave birth to a son named Ishmael. Years later, God gave Abraham the sign of circumcision, and at this point, so I'll stop saying Abraham now, uh, it was annoying me for some reason, uh, changed his name. When you say something that's not familiar, it just sort of jars, doesn't it? Just stop saying Abraham, is weird. Uh, and changed his name to Abraham, yay! And Sarai's name to Sarah. And Sarah gives birth to Isaac. When Isaac had grown, God, I really can't see anything, God tested Abraham by telling him to sacrifice Isaac uh, in the passage we've just heard. As Abraham prepared to obey, God um, stopped him and provided a replacement sacrifice. So, that's a little summary of Abraham's life. What can we see about him then? Just a couple of thoughts on Abraham. Abraham showed real faithfulness, didn't he? Faithfulness. Leaving his family behind and moving to a strange, unknown land. I know some of you will have or will be, I don't know, leaving home to go off to college or uni or something like that. And that might seem like a big deal. Uh, but for Abraham, you know, he had to... Well, I'll read to you. Genesis 12, 1 to 5. The Lord had said to Abraham... Oh, there's Abraham again. Leave your country, your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. Again, here's the promise coming again. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I'll make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you are cursed, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, he left, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. He was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarai, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. And as we think about the faithfulness of Abraham, that he responded in faithfulness. We have that amazing chapter, don't we, of Hebrews, Hebrews 11, where we think about these great 
men and women of God, really. Very normal people, people like you and me, and I'll get to that in a minute, that, you know, Abraham made a couple of mistakes along the way. This was no superhero. Um, he was a bloke, a normal guy, uh, but he did a lot right, and at the moment we're celebrating the things that he did right, and there's a lot that he did right that we should seek to emulate. So again, he was faithful, and Hebrews commends him. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place uh, that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out, not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise, as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I love that. Looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. I fear I'm going to chop and change all over the shop, but I think I'm just going to read loads of bits of Bible. It would be a bit boring if I don't do that. But I love that whose architect and builder, designer and builder is God. And we desperately need, don't we, as a church, uh, but also as individual Christians, to have a vision uh, for a destination whose architect, whose builder is God. And Abraham obeyed and went. But he had a God-given vision. The word of the Lord came to him. And he served that vision. He honoured the word of the Lord. And we likewise need that word uh, from God that we can, like Abraham, be faithful uh, in seeking to follow. He was righteous. Abraham was righteous. It's a key verse in Genesis 15, verse 6, where it says that Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. He believed God. I remember a Kevin Prosh worship song where there's a lyric that says, Trust is my gift back to you, God. Believing if you bought me with your blood, how can I refuse to accept myself and forgive myself or anyone else? Again, it's trust is actually our way of saying to God, I believe you. And in a sense, that's a gift. It's a free will offering. We don't have to believe God. You know, a lot of people don't. A lot of people don't believe in God. A lot of people don't believe, uh, you know, the tenets of Scripture, the witness of Scripture, the words of Jesus. But Abraham believed God. And it was like God was saying, Wow, thanks, Abraham. Thanks, thanks for believing me. Scripture says, God says of himself, he says, I'm not a man that I should lie. And Abraham believed that God wasn't a liar. And so he gave that gift of trust. He obeyed the word. He believed the word. And he obeyed it. And all people who believe in Jesus will receive the blessing of Abraham, which is to be God's chosen and beloved children. I'm going to read to you a bit of a chunk from Romans, because uh, this is important, where it says that Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. We see, don't we, that the witness of Scripture, that we're justified by faith in the Lord Jesus, that that is the foundation of, of our salvation. Romans 4. For the promise to Abraham and his offspring that he would be heir of the world did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For it is, if it is the adherents of the law who are to be the heirs, faith is null and the promise is void. For the law brings wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. That is why it depends on faith, in order that the promise may rest on grace and be guaranteed to all his offspring, not only to the adherent of the law, but also to the one who shares the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, as it is written, I've made you the father of many nations. In the presence of God, in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and calls into existence the things that do not exist, in hope he believed against hope, that he should become the father of many nations. As he had been told, so shall your offspring be. I'm going to go down a bit. But the words it was counted to him were not written for his own sake, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him, who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, 
we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So again, Abraham was called righteous in God's sight because he believed God. And we also are made right with God when we believe and trust in God as Abraham did. When we we believe God's word and we say, yes, I believe that I am made right with you, Lord, because of what Jesus has done for me on the cross. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his sacrifice. I believe that his blood cleanses me, that I'm forgiven, that I'm set free. And we too can be made righteous with God uh, on the basis of faith in the finished work of the cross. Abraham was faithful, he was righteous, but he made some mistakes. And this is, you know, we can look at this great man of God who's talked about in Hebrews, uh, but also he made some mistakes. He didn't have the courage to protect his wife at one stage. As I gave that little summary, I talked about when he went and um, he was worried that people would fancy Sarah, even though she was really old. So she was getting something right, wasn't she? Uh, So he believed that they'd all fancy her and kill him. uh, And so he made her pretend to be his sister, basically. And... uh, it says, Genesis 12:11-13. As he was about to enter Egypt, he said to his wife, Sarai, I know what a beautiful woman you are. Oh, thanks, dear. When the Egyptians see you, they will say, this is his wife. Then they will kill me. But that wasn't in there, I, I didn't. Um, but you will let you live. Say you are my sister, so that will be treated well for your sake, and my life will be spared because of you. The, the replica is a disaster. Uh, and even though it's a disaster, he does it again. Genesis 20, verse 2. It happens the same thing, effectively. Now, Abraham moved on from there into the region of the Negev. That looks like a... Negev and... They can't put it together. Negev and... Negev. And lived between Kadesh and Shur. For a while he stayed in Gerar. And there Abraham said of his wife Sarah, She is my sister. Then Abimelech, king of Gerar, sent for Sarah and took her. So he made mistakes. Another one was doubting. Again, we commend him for believing God's word. Yeah, he still doubted. But that doesn't undermine the fact that he believed in God's word. You know, we can all doubt, can't we? Even if our lives testify to the fact that we put our faith in Jesus, we are seeking to live for him. But in Genesis 16, uh, verses 1 to 4, God has promised Abraham that he will have all these descendants. Now Sarai, Abraham's wife, had borne him no children. She had a female Egyptian servant whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said to Abraham, Behold now, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. Go into my servant. It may be that I shall obtain children by her. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. So, after Abraham had lived ten years in the land of Canaan, Sarai, Abraham's wife, took Hagar the Egyptian, her servant, and gave her to Abraham, her husband, as a wife. And he went into Hagar, and she conceived. When she saw that she conceived, she looked with contempt on her mistress. A little while later, in Genesis 17, we hear God. And God said to Abraham, As for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. I will bless her, and moreover I will give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall become nations. Kings of people shall come from her. Then Abraham fell on his face and laughed, and said to himself, Shall a child be born to a man who is a hundred years old? Shall Sarah, who is ninety years old, bear a child? And Abraham said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. I'm going to come back to that. God said, No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him as an everlasting covenant for his offspring after him. As for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and multiply him greatly. He shall father twelve princes and I will make him into a great nation. But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Sometimes when we get a promise from God, we think we need to help him out. And uh, Abraham had this promise and he believed the promise. But in a moment's doubt, he thought that he might 
try and effectively pull one off for God. And basically the result of him trying to pull one off for God is that the servant girl, Hagar, became another wife to him. And they gave a birth to a child, Ishmael. Ishmael means God hears. And basically after this had happened, uh, Hagar was kind of sent away and she was very distressed. And an angel appeared to Hagar. Uh, And basically the angel says to her, You are now with child and you will have a son. You shall name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. You will name him Ishmael, for the Lord has heard of your misery. Misery is what we get when we try to artificially create something spiritual. When God gives us a promise, which is spiritual in nature, God is spirit, and everything of him is authentic. There's no kind of, you know, not I'm knocking artificial trees if you have them, but you know what I mean? It's not, it's not a copycat. It's not a, repul- a replica shirt. Everything you get from God is the real deal. And if we try and pull one off for God, we get a replica. We get a replica shirt. We get an artificial tree. And the fruit of that is misery. The mercy of God is that he appears to Hagar and he says, I see you in your misery and I've come to you. And Hagar even makes this confession afterwards. Uh, she says, she gave this name to the Lord who spoke to her. You are the God who sees me. For she said, I've seen the one who sees me. And when we make mistakes like Abraham made mistakes, God is full of compassion and he sees us and he comes to us. Sometimes we can, you see a child, don't you? A child thinks it's really fun to like go and jump in a puddle or whatever. And you say, no, 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 and don't do that. It's going to be messy and you're not going to like it. And they're like, no, I really want to. And they go and they make a mess of themselves. And you've told them not to because you know you're going to have to like clean up their trousers. And you're probably going to have to call off the walk because they'll be wet and they'll get a chill. And you'll have to go home early. So they ruin the fun for everyone, basically. But as any decent parent would, you know, if the child falls over and cries, you know... You might be inside thinking, I knew this would happen, I knew we called off the walk. But you go and you love that child, don't you? You clean them up, you sort them out. And God is like that. When we make a mess and we do the thing that we shouldn't have done, God comes to us and he ministers mercy to us. But the tragedy is that we so often still want to follow through on the mistakes we've made because it seems less complicated. God had given Abraham a promise. And he went and got himself Ishmael. And even when God still reaffirmed the promise on God's terms, Abraham's words to him were, Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. He still wanted the flesh. He still wanted to carry it. It's like if we have church ministries that God didn't initiate, and we don't want to give them up because we, it was too much of a hassle. It's like, oh God, please bless it. Please start blessing it. We know there's no fruit of it, but it's been going on for ages, and Doris will get angry if we shut it down. Please just bless it, please. The agony is that we want things of the flesh. We won't give up the things that God isn't blessing. The sad thing, the other sad thing, because of the niceness of God, is he blesses it anyway. And then it gets really confusing because there's a bit of fruit. You know? You know, so he basically says, look, I'm going to bless Ishmael anyway. It's going to go well for him and, you know, blah, 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 and he'll have all these descendants. It's not going to be like Isaac. The promise for Isaac is amazing. The promise for Ishmael is basically, look, I'm still going to be nice to Ishmael. And sometimes we can labour in something after the flesh, because there's a bit of fruit, it's just underwhelming. Because God's really nice, he'll bless us anyway. You know, if we're trying to live for him, he'll bless everything we're doing. It would almost be less complicated if he didn't. But that's the nature of God. But we really need an Isaac. We need to honour God and say, God, what are you doing? I'm going to just stop trying to pull one off for you. I'm going to stop trying to do it all in the flesh. You know, I'm going to humble myself. Lean not on my own understanding, but say, God, what are you doing? What are you doing? And that's what we need to be doing. So he made some mistakes, but actually 
he was a godly person. And one of the things I love about scripture is the emphasis on honour. Honouring God and honouring one another. We all make mistakes like Abraham made. You know, I lead a church and I make mistakes. But I hope that the congregation of St Thomas will honour me as a leader and support me even though I make mistakes. Because dishonour isn't of God. And we need to support people in leadership. And I hope that people at St Thomas Church will honour me as a leader. And I will honour them in return. Because it's not about, oh, look at me, I'm the leader. It's about honouring one another. We need to honour the Lord by having clean hearts. Living lives before him of integrity. And we make mistakes. And we need to kind of actually recognise that we make mistakes. And because we make mistakes, we can humble ourselves before other people. And not be quick to point the finger. Because like we all know, when you point the finger, you get three pointing right back at you, don't you? So we need to honour one another. And I want to honour Abraham. He made mistakes, but Hebrews doesn't dwell on those. Hebrews dwells on the fact that even though he doubted, he was a man of faith. And he believed the promises. And he was God-fearing. You know, linked to being faithful was the fact that he believed God. And, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He was a God-fearing man and he was obedient. And the passage that we heard read up was when he was willing to give up his most important possession, Isaac, to obey God. Genesis 22:12. Do not lay a hand upon the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you've not withheld from me your son, your only son. You know, it was a test of Abraham and he passed the test. You know, Isaac was everything to him. But he knew, didn't he, that it was only because of God that he got Isaac in the first place. He laughed at the thought of Isaac. And actually Sarah laughed as well when she heard, you know, that God was going to give her a child. And Isaac means laughter. And again, the great thing is that we can trust in the promises of God because nothing is too hard for God. Nothing is impossible for God. And we'll laugh with joy when we realise we don't have to create an Ishmael. We don't have to pull one off for God. We don't have to pull one off for God in what he's called us to as an individual. We don't have to pull one off for God in terms of what we're doing as, as, as local churches. But we can just say, God, you're the God of the impossible. And your plans are impossible. We can't pull it off, no matter how many committees, how much money, how much of this, how much of that, how capable, how charismatic the leaders are. You know, nothing is impossible for you, God. And so Abraham knew that. And so he gave up his son. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you, and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gates of his enemies, and in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed, because you have obeyed my voice. Obedience brings the fruit of God's will in our lives when we obey him. Abraham was willing to give up his most important possession to obey God. And the, the, the importance of that, we see the symbolism of it in terms of uh, God's willingness to give up his only son for us. You know, just as God provided a sacrifice instead of Isaac, we heard about in that reading. We know it was prophetic of Jesus. As John the Baptist said, John 1.29, The next day he saw Jesus coming and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Interestingly, Abraham's willingness to sacrifice Isaac also showed, as Hebrews says, that he believed good God could raise someone from the dead. So that passage we heard read, it spoke of the crucifixion, but also spoke uh, of the resurrection. Hebrews 11:17 to 19 By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered, this is the, the author of Hebrews, he considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. 
So we see the faith of Abraham there. You know, the author of Hebrews reading into that. That actually had faith in God's ability to bring resurrection. Amazing that you can, you can kind of effectively sell out your wife in that way, not having faith in God to protect you in one instance. But then something that seemingly requires loads more faith, sacrificing your son, through whom all the promises are coming, believing God can raise him from the dead. And we can all be people that can have big highs and big lows. I mean, look at Elijah and the prophets of Baal and then running away just because Jezebel's a bit scary. You know, we should, we should be encouraged by the witness of these heroes of faith because they have good days, they have bad days, but they're all held together by a common obedience to God and faith in him. So lessons for us from this man of God. I think a big thing, and I just want to finish on this, just dwell on this, is the need to know God's will, to see from heaven's perspective and to be obedient. We need to see from heaven's perspective. It's interesting that when Elisha is surrounded by the enemy's armies, he has eyes to see uh, the angelic host. He has eyes to see the heavenly realm, the chariots of fire. And he has a servant, Gehazi, who's freaking out. And God prays for Gehazi and says, Lord, give him eyes to see. And so Gehazi's eyes are open and he can see the provision of God, the chariots of fire. We need to see from heaven's perspective. We need to see that as God said uh, in the light of Sarai laughing, that nothing is impossible for him. We need to see from heaven's perspective. We need to see what God is doing and get on board with that. It's interesting that sometimes we fail to see from heaven's perspective. And it's interesting that when Paul, not Paul, um, when John is uh, in the book of Revelation and uh, the, the message to the churches, um, you see to the church of Laodicea, the church of Laodicea, which in many ways, I'm not being condemning or whatever, but it's a lot like the church in the West. It's a church that thinks it's all right, it's doing all right. And because it thinks it's doing all right, it's lukewarm and it's complacent. And basically it's saying, you know, we're, we're rich in goods, we have need of nothing. And Jesus basically says, you know, second opinion, you know, actually you're pitiable and wretched and blind. And it's all great. But Jesus is brilliant because every time Jesus convicts, he gives us the solution. He tells us what to do about it. And so he says to the church of Laodicea, he says, I'll tell you what, I, 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 I encourage you, I exhort you to come to me and to buy from me gold in the fire, refined in the fire that you can be rich, pure white robes to cover your nakedness, and eye salve so you can see. We need to come to God and say, look, I don't have eyes of faith. I don't know why. Lord, give me eye salve so I can see. Lord, give me vision that's of you. Clothe me in that robe of righteousness that comes by faith in Jesus and help me to see from heaven's perspective. Abraham had promises from God that he believed, which gave him vision for the future, which profoundly affected what he did and where he went. Some of you might be thinking about where to go to uni and what to do next. I really encourage you to ask God. Talk to him. Get a God vision for life. You know, if you're thinking, I want to study economics, I want to study fashion, I want to kind of do, you know, a course in engineering or whatever it might be. I want to do an apprenticeship in, you know, plumbing or something, I don't know. You know, ask God what his vision for your life is. And, and, and so that the decisions that you make are aligned with that vision. You know, God gave Abraham a vision. He said, you know, leave your country and go. And he went and he had a God vision. And God showed him that, you know, your, your descent will be like the stars in the sky. Abraham obeyed a God vision. I think sometimes what we do, and again, I don't mean this a condemning way at all, but I think it's, it's important to say it. Sometimes what we do is we don't have a God vision for life. We just have an us vision for life. But we still think all the promises apply for us in that life. So we get cross with God when he lets us down. But we never thought to ask him if we should be doing what we were doing anyway. We kind of live like the world does, but morally. 
and then we get upset when we're not seeing the promises. But actually the promises of scripture, there's like a, a, you know, an if-then clause. If you obey me, if you worship me, if you honour me, if you this, if you that, then I shall bless, I shall this, I shall that. We need to be asking what God wants for our life. God is still really nice anyway. You might, you know, you might be doing what you're doing now and you never thought to ask God. He'll probably bless it anyway because he's really nice. But, you know, we need to be getting on board with what God wants for our lives and asking him first, whatever stage we're at in life. You know, say, God, what, what are you asking of me so I can see fruitfulness? You know, what is it you're asking me to Like Abraham, to obey a God vision, a God-centered vision. What has God promised you? What has God promised us as a church, but what has God promised you as an individual? We need to know God's written word. We need to know the promises of God's word so we align ourselves with them and we believe them. And we also need to know the specific promises that God has given us. The prophetic word like Abraham had. We need to know God's written word and we need to know the revelation that is pertinent and specific to us. And that will come through an encounter with God. And we need to seek him. One of the things that I always find baffling that other people don't seem to be bothered about it is that everyone in the Bible, they don't just have like oh, a vague sense of God's whatever. They like hear God. The fact, like whole conversations. It's like God comes to Abraham and it's like talks to him like we talk to one another with detail. We get prophetic words and it's like, oh, I think I see a tree or something. And, you know, that's nice. But I'm like, everyone in the Bible, has, like, it's like you're in the same room with them and there's like dialogue and detail. I'm like, I want that. And I'm not prepared to settle for less than that. You know, the scripture says, if I seek him with all my heart, I'll find him. And if we're going to have faith to do what God has called us to, we need that kind of encounter, don't we? Like, like these heroes of faith. You know, we characterise them with flannel boards and, you know, silly beards and stuff, and that's nice. But these are normal people like us. And the same God that spoke to them is speaking to us today. So we need to be stirred out of apathy. God, you, you know, you're not a respecter of persons, God. You spoke to Abraham with real detail. It's like you were like, like in the room with him. It's not enough that I've got a vague sense of you when I worship sometimes. You know, I need to hear your voice. I need to hear it clearly. And we can honour God by reading the written word. And the more we read the Bible and God's promises in that, the more that side of things will open up to us if we obey him first in getting to grips with his written word. And as we do that, and as we pray, and as we fellowship, but as we combine that with a yearning for God, God, I want want revelations like the people in the Bible have. You know, you're not a respecter of persons. You know, the the glory of the latter house is greater than the glory of the former house. You know, I I want more and. You know, we should be seeking God so we get a God-given vision for our lives. And then, like Abraham, we have the courage to follow through on that. We need to get revelation, and then we need to obey what God has said. I remember hearing the story of, and I'll finish with this, I remember hearing a story of a, a, a pastor in America who was leading a service, and um, uh, someone said to him, oh, this little girl's got a word, she thinks, for the congregation. And he, and he kind of thought, oh, that's nice, and sort of looked at her and sort of, um, little girl, sort of dismissed it a little bit, really. And this little girl came, he said, okay, little girl, effectively, what is it that God has said that, that for the congregation? This little girl looked up at him and said very earnestly, pray, listen, obey. And he said it was like the fear of God just came on him. And he got the little girl up with the microphone and said, what is God saying to all of us? And she said, pray, listen, obey. The Christian life is not easy, but it's not complicated either. It's not easy, but it's not complicated. We need to pray. We need to listen. So like Abraham, we discern a call for us as a church, but for us as individual Christians. And then when we discern that call, we need to obey. We need to go in faith as Abraham did and see him do miracles, see him do amazing things in our life as we step out in faith. God keeps his promises. Nothing is impossible for him. 
And he has great plans for us as a church in Aldridge. And he has great plans for you and for me. So let's seek him. Let's find him. Let's pray. Let's listen and obey and see him do amazing and exciting things in and through our lives. Amen.